Father God, we do come before you with joyful hearts. We are so grateful for the gift of life, the gift of breathing and being able to function today. And you've given us this day to worship you as you've given us each day to worship you. Lord, we thank you for that song. It's, it's a classic. It reminds us of your goodness. Lord, be with us today. May your spirit truly work within us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Take a moment and greet those around you. Okay. My name is Stacy. I work in the office here at Maranatha, and I have to bring the podium up because I have a bunch of scribbled notes. Because on Friday, I put them all in my purse to review them for the weekend, and I didn't. I'm kind of like a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants type person. So here I have all my notes. Um, so for announcements, we have the Christmas program. That shouldn't be first, but it is. Um, I got my clicker, so I'm good. Um, on December 11th, and then the Hellerstedts will be visiting from Cambodia, we're going backwards, on December 1st, Thursday. Uh, they will be, I think that they're joining us for church on the 27th, next weekend, they'll be here. Um, but this is just a time for dinner and visiting with them. You have to sign up at the welcome desk. Um, there's going to be a special meeting. A members meeting. Nope. There's going to be a members meeting. <laughs> On December 4th, Cody will talk more about that. Yeah, okay. And um, the Christmas brunch, the women's Christmas brunch, which you also have to sign up for, will be December 3rd at from 10 a.m. to noon. And having been to those before, um, there's lots of yummy things. So. If you can make it, I would recommend coming. Uh, we celebrate something every week. And last weekend, our youth group went to the um, apologetics conference in Eden Prairie at uh, Grace Baptist. And it's put on by Stand to Reason. And uh, I would say that out of all the youth events we do, I think it's one of the most educational. And I really recommend that families would go together. In fact, I have, a, I have their mission statement up there. It's Stand to Reason trains Christians to think more clearly about their faith and to make even-handed, incisive, yet gracious defense of classical Christianity and classical Christian values in the public square. And their vision is confidence for every Christian, clear thinking for every challenge, and courage and grace for every encounter. Um, they teach us not what to think, but how to think. And I think in this current culture where everything is being bombarded by social media um, and kids are kind of leading kids, that this is just so vital. I know that the kids that go, and you'll see some pictures of them, 
they really enjoy it and are really engaged. So if we had 14 students, I believe, and I wish we had 50, and parents. Because if I wasn't going with the youth group, I would definitely, definitely go by myself. It's really amazing. Um, let's get to through some of these fun pictures. These people that don't like to be on pictures, that are on pictures. <laughs> um, that's Jay Warner Wallace. He is, uh, wrote the book Cold Case Christianity. And he's one of the, I'd say, our group's favorites. He was a forensic detective who applies his um, education to, he was an atheist, to actually getting, siphoning through all the evidence. And he said, at the end of the day, I had to be a Christian because there's just so much evidence for the death and resurrection of Christ. Um, and they have tons of breakouts and it is a lot of information crammed into a day and a half, but I know that the kids really love it. And I really recommend next year, I'm, I'll do the announcement next year that I think you should go with your kids. And even if you don't go with our group, you can. Other family members can go with the group, but um, yeah, it's really a great time. I think I got all the things. Oh, the yellow sheets? And welcome to those online, and welcome to all of you. And I'll welcome up Pastor Cody. <laughs> a special thank you to Stacy for all she does for us as in the church, behind the scenes. We are very grateful for her and Carmen, all they do in the office. In fact, when they're gone, we just like want to put up a sign, church closed, because we don't know what we're doing. Well, yeah, so December 4th, after the second service, we're going to have, it's not just for members only, it's just for all the church, we're going to just talk about some of the, the, the neat changes that we got coming up, and just to encourage you to be there so you can hear just what we're going to be doing um, coming up here in the next couple months, and just how we're doing things, and then at the end of January will be a members meeting where we're going to do some bylaw changes where we need a vote. So that's going to be December. So we've got two different types of meetings coming up. I get confused sometimes when we got emails. I'm like, what meeting are we talking about here? So the December 4th one coming up, that's just some of the changes we're going to be doing as a church on Sundays, what's going on there. And then mid-December, towards the end of December, you're going to get a, um, information about some of the bylaw changes and we're going to then voting on that. We're going to have our superintendent come just to be here for that just because we're uh, we're part of the free church and we wanted you to know that we're under the heading of that so we're excited about that so those are some things coming up anything else oh welcome successful hunters or non-hunters i know bob gonski's not here he said i got my deer meant you know like 50 some years ago d-e-a-r and he's content with that so he's never hunted but uh successful hunters and i know this is usually the, the Sunday that's pretty low attendance because there's many still outside waiting for that elusive deer and buck. So welcome to those who are successful or those who are smart. Because, let me just, my introduction paragraph here, things I've given up on. Let me just tell you a couple things I've given up on. Hunting this morning. A couple days ago I saw the temperatures and I was like, one degree, uh-uh, not going to happen. Not, I mean, part of it is because maybe because I'm getting older, I just feel like I just don't want to sit out in a tree. Yesterday, I sat out in a tree, and I'm glad it was a big oak tree because the pine trees around me were swaying. There was a whiteout for like five minutes. I'm like, what am I doing? The deer are not even, what? okay, anyways. But a couple days ago, I saw the Thames. I'm like, one degree. Well, if I hunt for 10 minutes, shoot a deer, gut the deer in 30 seconds, I can get to church. No, I'm not hunting. 
So this morning, I gave up on hunting. Also, I gave up on shaving during hunting season. That's why I look like a bum. And gave up on, well, got my special shirt, so that's there. Other things I gave up on. Well, let me just give you a, a situation here. When I was in grad school, um, you do first year, you do your Greek. Then the second year, you do another deeper Greek exegesis. And that's usually then when you do Hebrew. So I was doing Greek and Hebrew. And at that time, I had this weird desire to do medical. I was, I was a medic at the time. And I, I thought, you know, maybe I could be an E, because at the time I was, I was volunteering in the ER. I thought, may, maybe I could be an ER doctor. And uh, so I was doing Greek, Hebrew, and I could get one free course on the college side. So I said, let me do organic chemistry. While at the same time training for a marathon, while being very tight on my budget, I was eating rice and beans pretty much every day. That was my, that was my daily intake of food because the cafeteria is too expensive, but rice and beans were cheap. Greek, Hebrew, organic chemistry, training for a marathon, and I diet. Guess what I gave up on? The marathon. I just said, forget that. And I also gave up on organic chemistry because my brain was, li not literally, but I felt like it was oozing out of my ears. I was like, I'm not designed for that. I'm, I'm not the brightest guy on the block. So I gave up on organic chemistry, praise God Almighty, and the marathon. Although I did train with someone as we were training, I said, I just can't do this. I mean, I was still miles a day, but I just, I can't. So I'll meet you at mile mark, whatever, and I, during the marathon, so I met her just to encourage her. So I ran 19 miles of the marathon just to encourage her, and I was a fool. Things I gave up on. Also, I gave up on tofu. Anybody else gave up on tofu? Just throwing that out there. Okay. I also gave up on some friendships. Anybody ever give up on some friendships? I have. I remember when I was in school, there was this friend we became, but you know how it is. You become best friends, and then a year later, you're not best friends. And you give up on friendships. I remember when I was in graduate school, I gave up on a friendship that was very toxic, and a couple of us realized this person just isn't the best person to hang around with to protect ourselves. We just were like, yeah, let's, we just got to kind of give up on this friendship. Unfortunately, it was a great friendship at first, but then we realized this person is just kind of like, this is not a healthy thing. We just were like, for the sake of our own sanity, we need to give up on this friendship. Things I wanted to give up on. There's many things. There's many things I wanted to give on, but I, I just continued. Once in a while, I, I want to give up on things, but I know, you know what, this is something I need to do. For instance, I'm, I'm part of the Law Enforcement Foundation of Barron County. We're a nonprofit organization. We do shop with a cop. We do a lot of different things. We support law enforcement when, when they need um, different things for canines. You know, we, we're the nonprofit that they can run their money through. And uh, a couple years ago, they're like, you need to be the president of it. I'm like, no, I don't need to be the president of this organization. And uh, so my friend Dave Armstrong's like, you know, I'm stepping down. You need to do it. I'm like, okay, I'll do it for a while. Now I'm to the point where like, you know what? I'm giving up on that position. I'm still going to be a part of the organization, but I'm just, I got too much going on in my life. And so it's okay to give up on something. And some things you got to consider, like time-wise, is this something I need to do? Do I need to give up on? To be honest, I've thought about leaving this position here as a senior pastor. 
only three times I joked with, with uh, Pastor Tony, I said, only three times I've thought about it pretty seriously. After all that we've gone through, I'm like, you know what? You know, I, yeah. But I haven't given up. Things I won't give up on. God. I will not give up on God. I've come too far. And He has done so much for me. And the reality of what I see that He's done, I will not give up on God. At times I get frustrated. At times I don't understand what's going on. At times I say, God, what's going on? But I won't give up on God. And here's one that's tough. I won't give up on God's calling in my life. Although at times I thought, you know, man, it'd be nice just to do something a little bit more simpler, easier. I, I don't know, but I won't give that up on that. And here it is. I will not give up on my marriage. That's why I got my special shirt on today. I mentioned this shirt last week. I won't give up on my marriage. So here's the, 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 what I'm going to implore you today. Here's what I'm going to give you today. Don't give up on your marriage, okay? Last week, again, we're doing this as a two-part series. Last week, we talked about marriage. Today, we're going to talk about divorce. The topic is divorce. So I want to be honest with you. I'm not an expert on divorce. I haven't been divorced. Although as a pastor and pastors, we often meet with people considering divorce, going through divorce, contemplating it. So I'm, I'm not an expert. So I'll meet with people and say, hey, I'm not an expert in this area. I'll listen to you. I'll hear from you. Let me give you the biblical understanding of divorce, which we're going to go through today. I'm not an expert on divorce. So today I want to be very sensitive to many of you who've gone through divorce. So I'm going to be sharing from a... From a biblical perspective yet from the perspective i've never gone through the hurt that you've gone through some of you have seriously been raked over the coals some of you've gone through some very very heartbreaking life situations that i've never gone through so i want to be sensitive to that and let you know that i understand that i don't know what that's like i don't know your pain Although my parents went through a divorce, so I'm a recipient, I'm a, I'm a recipient of a family that's gone through a divorce. And I've understood the heartbreak and the, the challenge of what to do after divorce. And it's hard. So with that, let me make this statement that I'm going to say a couple times, okay? This is very important. Sometimes a marriage is permitted to end. You'll see this biblically. But restoration should always be pursued. And that's something we as pastors do often. Even though we're counseling someone that is going through a biblical reason why there should be a divorce, and we'll say, yeah, you may have biblical reasons, and yes, it is permitted, we stress that restoration. Let's try to pursue that first. That should be pursued. So truly, let's pray this morning, right? we deal with this very sensitive and often debated topic so lord we come to you jesus i thank you that you've given us words in scripture here you taught the disciples you taught the pharisees about divorce and you didn't just lean on tradition you went back to scripture and that's what we want to do we want to go to scripture and learn 
God the Father, you are the precious Father. And I thank you for your love. And as I briefly went through a few things that I've given up on, I have to admit, I've been unfaithful to you. Even though I say I'm not going to give up on God, there's times I have through my sinful choices, through my attitudes. I've lived a life not worthy of the calling that you've called me to. But in confession, in repentance, you've restored us. God, you are the faithful one. Let us lean on you this morning. And Spirit of God, we come to you. And today is going to be that sensitive topic that's just a tough one. In fact, I've mentioned a couple weeks in advance, we're talking about this this Sunday, and I'm sure some people have chosen not to be here just because this is the topic that's very hard. <clears throat> so Spirit, we ask that you do the two things you do. Of the many things you do, two things I know you do is you comfort. So comfort us this morning, but also convict us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen. So take your Bibles. In fact, um, we're not going to go to the book of Mark yet. Um, we are going through our series with Christ in the School of Discipleship in the book of Mark. And we're learning about Messiahship and now more discipleship. And for the, these two weeks, we're looking at the biblical understanding of marriage. And last week, we looked at marriage. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to go online. The notes are online. Um, we talked about marriage. And, <clears throat> um, and today we're talking about divorce. Yeah, uh, last week, we talked that marriage is one of the beautiful pictures of Christ and the church. We are His bride. And that's why we're taking two weeks to talk about marriage and stress the importance of marriage. It's to be valued. It's to be protected and continued. Those are three important words I want to say that it's to be valued. Again, we live in a culture where marriage is not valued anymore. After one of the services, someone said they were at a marriage where instead of giving vows, the couple gave pinky promises. What? you got to be kidding me. <clears throat> so again, look, look at the sermon last week online as we talked about marriage as a vow. We make those vows to God and then to one another. It's to be valued. And it's to be protected. We want to protect marriage. And we want to help continue marriage, help maintain it. We as a church want to be there for you, give you resources. In fact, we've got resources. Again, we've got those resources on the wall. Um, I want to point out two of our pointers that we've got there. Um, a difficult marriage, going through a difficult marriage. We've got some things here talking about how to go through a difficult marriage and the resources we have here. And then married to an unbelieving spouse, which we'll talk about later here in one of the passages that we'll look at. Listen to some of the beautiful passages on marriage. So turn to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5. Um, everyone, get, yeah, get a Bible. There's Bibles in front of you. Um, bring your Bibles to church. If you've got to use your phone, use your phone. I know some of you got those cool apps and stuff, but I, I like that, that book, the Bible. You know me. So here, here's a passage that during premarital counseling I go through that we, we look at this role of families here that we have in the middle, of, at middle and the end of Ephesians chapter 5. 
And then it goes into 6 talking about children and parents. Ephesians chapter 5. Most people look at verse 22, and that's where you begin. In fact, in your Bibles, that's where it's broken up. Wives and husbands. But I want to include the verse right before that. A lot of people don't look at that verse because it, it's not included in how the editors have kind of broken that, that up. But this is, I think, a foundation to what we're about to read. But in this, what I want you to... I want, to he- I want you to hear the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of marriage. Verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Again, I, we could just turn off all our clocks and watches and stuff. And that alone could be a six-hour discussion. Submit to one another out of Reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives should, should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for to make her whole again this is the pit this is a great picture of the gospel marriage is to make her holy cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself after all no one has ever hated his own body but he feeds it cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you almost also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is a beautiful picture, isn't it? Marriage is this beautiful picture of the gospel. Now let's turn to our passage that we're in, Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 1. Last week we looked at verse 1 through 9. We're going to look just at the next two verses, after, three verses after that. But let me read what we looked at last week. Jesus left the place and went to the region of Judea. And, <coughs> sorry, and across the Jordan. Judea across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Some of the Pharisees, Mark chapter 10, verse 2, came and tested him. They tried to trap him here, asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. Jesus replied, At the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So, they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man 
separate. Marriage is God's idea. You know, if it was man's idea, then we can kind of decide what we want to do, right? We can say, well, let's, let's, let's make marriage about this and this, and depending on culture and the current trends that we have and what we determine, then we could decide what we wanted. But marriage is not our idea. It's God's divine plan, as we talked about last week. Look at that last part, what Jesus said. It's very important. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. God has put them together to now one. Here's some, I just wrote this down. Here's something that I could say at my next wedding. God has joined you in this marriage covenant for life. Don't come apart. Don't break it. Don't give up on it. The core of this marriage is a covenant that you have made your vow to God and to each other to change your loyalty exclusively that you had to your spouse alone. Your spouse is the priority over all other relationships and ties. <clears throat> this is the nature of marriage. It's a covenant. It's not a contract. And it's meant to be permanent. Don't give up on it. Till death do us part. It's not as long as you both shall love. Remember I talked about last week. Love comes and goes. So I get a couple that's like, oh, we're in love and we want to get married. And that's why we're getting married, just based on love. It's not as long as you both shall love. Instead, we say it's long as you both shall live. You're together until the end. And marriage is under attack. Yet despite society's attempts and cultural attitudes that have shifted against their traditional understanding of marriage, we as a church... We hold firm to marriage. In fact, um, maybe six years ago, we added this to our bylaws. In fact, that's one of the things we're going to do in January because of just the, the, the struggle of society trying to understand and grapple with gender identity and sexuality. We're going we're, we're, we're to add something to our bylaws so we, under, so we as a church have it in our bylaws. So here's what we wrote. I think it's going to be on the screen here. What we wrote about uh, six years ago to add to our bylaws. Because then, at the time, the president was, was uh, doing things which we thought, you know what, they may change the laws, but we want to have in our bodies. This is what we believe. We believe that marriage has been instituted and ordained by God as described in the Bible. And his plan for marriage and sexual intimacy is, is defined as the exclusive covenantal union of one man and one woman in which such union is for a life time commitment when found in conflict with the laws and or social norms we will follow the biblical principle and definition of marriage amen i mean it's crazy that we had to put this in our bylaws but culture is going to be pushing us to say nah it's not true god has bound the two to be one one sexually one spiritually and in core values Thus, we as pastors will perform a marriage ceremony only for those who have equal the same hearts. 
So, if two people are committed to Christ, we will perform that marriage. But if someone is committed to Christ and the other person is not committed to Christ, we will not perform that as marriage because that is not equally yoked. But we will also, this may surprise you, we will perform a marriage for someone who doesn't believe in Christ if both of them don't. Both their hearts have to be the same. Both Christians or both, I call them not yet Christians. I will gladly do a marriage for two people who don't know Christ because marriage is a great picture of the gospel, isn't it? And I will say, yeah, let's get together. Let's talk. And I'm going to share what marriage is about because they're not yet Christians, okay? And that may surprise you that we would do a marriage ceremony for people who are not yet Christians or non-Christians. But in the hopes that they would come to know Christ. So the question then is, is this bond breakable? The two are one. Is this bond breakable? Let's continue now with our passage at hand, which we have here for the disciples now. Look at verse 10. When they're in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. God's desire is that the marriage will last. But here it is. There is no guarantee that the marriage will last. That's hard to think about. Again, I want to be sensitive. Some of you have gone through those hard hoops of life. You thought that marriage would last, but there's no guarantee that marriage will last. It is possible that because of sin, that's what Jesus says, yeah, God permits it because of people's sin. Because of sin, people can break this solemn vow and separate from one another. Again, it's not the goal of marriage. It's not God's will. It's not God's intended purpose that it be broken. Still, it may happen. And again, there's different views. And honestly, there's disagreement between Christians who hold tight to Scripture on divorce. Christians who take Scripture seriously, there can be different views. So here's three different views. In fact, I want you to know that I was wrong last week. I mentioned the Jewish different views. Again, I was in Florida working on my sermon. I came back and I was doing some research and doing some, some look in, in books like this. Here's the, the Mishnah here, Jewish um, understanding on all their different rules and regulations stuff. I was wrong about the different camps in there. This is kind of, the, there was a closed camp the Jewish have here that we also have. So here's, here's the three different views. First is the closed view. God hates divorce, right? Thus, Marriage is, I mean, sorry, divorce is completely wrong and should never be acceptable. Have you ever met someone like that? Or maybe you hold that view, I'm, I'm not sure. God hates divorce and divorce is never acceptable. So that's the first one, the, the closed view. In fact, I remember someone who basically said, if they get divorced, they're going to hell. Whoa, okay. 
That's the closed view. Then there's the strict view, only on the basis of sexual morality or abandonment of the covenant. Desertion, which we'll look at a passage here in a moment. So there's the closed view, then there's the strict view, then there's the liberal view. Any reason. So I'm, unfortunately I didn't get to really get time to, to dig through this, but let me throw this one out. for. I just found this one for, for you hunters. Yeah. Where's this one here? Oh, it's here. They even got something about deer in here. A deer which a deer, a deer which one purchased with money in the status of second tithe and has died is to be buried with its hide and it goes on. That's how many rules they have about stuff. But there's this huge section just on marriage. In fact, and some of it just gets crazy. Well, if the person becomes deaf and mute, then you can divorce them. If the person burns your meal, then you can divorce them. And all, like, what are you... So this is the more liberal view. Any reason. And these are the views that we can have within Christian churches. So what are the biblical grounds, the biblical allowance for divorce? We as pastors, and I'm just going to be very general in some of these statements because I want you to know that every story that we get approached with is, is very different. They're never the same. And we want to take the spirit of the law in, in a lot of this. So we as pastors align with the strict view here. Which is consistent with the majority of evangelical belief and scholarship. Our position is neither unique or extreme. It's it's what the church has held for many, many years. But we would caution those with other views to align more with what Scripture says, not with what tradition. In fact, it's interesting, like even the closed view. God hates divorce. Yeah. And anyone who gets divorced, they're just going to go to hell. That's totally wrong. I would disagree with this. <laughs> Listen to this passage. Jeremiah. 3 verse 8. This is God speaking to a wayward people. Remember, remember the prophets. We went through it years ago. They have totally abandoned the covenant. Here's what God says. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all of her adulteries. God just divorced Israel. Well, when we read the full context, we understand they're in faithfulness, but we see that God still woos them back. We see this in the prophets. He has a love that will not let them go. So let's understand the biblical allowance or the grounds for divorce. Divorce is permitted for two reasons. And this shows the importance that God puts on marriage faithfulness. So here's, here's what we got. Adultery. The parallel passage, remember that the four Gospels are very similar. In fact, the first three are what we call the synoptic. They line up very much alike. We, we believe that Mark was written first, and then the other two were like, we need to tell this Gospel also to different audiences. And because of the different audience and the different author, sometimes different things are included and some things are not included. 
Matthew includes in this part when Jesus is talking, he says, except for porneia. That's where we get the word pornography from. Porneia, except for adultery. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew 19 is the parallel with that. So whenever that happens, the covenant is broken. Or number two, desertion of an unbeliever, 1 Corinthians 7.15. And I have it here. But if a husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. It's permitted. In such case, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other, for God has called you to live in peace. Adultery and, desertion, uh, adultery and abandonment, desertion, grievously breaks that covenant. The core principles of the covenant vow. So the covenant has been broken, and thus divorce is allowed. These two passages, the one in Matthew and Mark, the Gospel accounts, the one in 1 Corinthians 7 here, give us different examples of what covenant breaking involves. There are examples when a Christian divorce would be permissible, though not required. It's very important. It's permitted, but not required. Some people want to go, that's my easy way out. I'm out of here. Again, let me say this again. Sometimes a marriage is permitted to end, but restoration should always be pursued. We as pastors are asked, I'm going to just read through this here. I'm going to make sure I don't say anything wrong here. We as pastors are asked to meet with a person or couple in marriage of crisis. Happens often. They're thinking about divorce maybe. And the couple sit together and maybe the divorce word is mentioned or we meet individually with them and they talk about divorce. We as pastors start with the marriage covenant promise. That's what we're thinking. We just don't want to hear the story and go, oh, that's really bad. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do something different. In our minds, and our hearts, we want to think of the covenant promise and look to see if their situation falls within the biblical grounds of for divorce. Every marriage crisis situation is different, emotional, and hard. And we often will email or text or call I love it when Tony's like, hey, I'm meeting with a couple, and I know, man, i got to be praying for you the whole time. Because he's going to be dealing with stuff that's just weighty, emotional, difficult. There's always two stories. Sometimes there's three stories to it. I'm just like, man. So we, we often pray for each other as the other is meeting with a couple. These are complex conversations that require much care. Often, the church has been judgmental to those going through divorce and have been divorced. But we as pastors want to be an instrument of healing grace. In my mind, I'm thinking this. Has the marriage covenant been broken? Has this been broken biblically? And how can we bring restoration so i tell you what so many people want to go yep it's broken now it can get out again this permits it it doesn't require so the two things breaking the covenant with adultery the gospels talk about adultery which then 
if someone commits adultery, sleeps, has sexual intercourse with someone else, they are no longer one with their spouse. They've broken the covenant. They're no longer one. When this happens, the one flesh intimate union they had with their spouse has been broken. And the covenant vow has been broken. Divorce is permitted. Breaking the covenant with desertion. Here the spouse breaks the covenant, not holding the vow to God and to the other spouse they had and have abandoned their exclusive loyalty, having their spouse priority over all things in other relationships and ties. In the supreme allegiance by abandonment, desertion, or specifically in this passage, a Christian married to an unbeliever is free to marry if the unbeliever wants out of the marriage. Notice it's if the unbeliever wants out of the marriage. In fact, in our little thing here, we got here our married to an unbelieving spouse. I encourage you, if this is you read this, we encourage you, you know, one of the things is let your actions be a witness. We pray that through that, the Lord may bring that person to the Lord. In the language of 1 Corinthians 7, desertion is not consenting to live with the other. As such, the word desertion implies physical absence. And it's interesting in the history of the church, man, people have found try to find many ways to get out of marriages. And they just get tired of the person. So they're in the military. They're gone. They deserted me, so I'm divorcing them. Well, that has nothing to do with that. We are persuaded that while physical separation may occur, other types of abandonment of the covenant may look very differently. And the covenant has been broken. And this is not a checkbox like, oh, they committed adultery. I'm out of here. And justify a quick divorce. Again, sometimes a marriage is permitted to end, but restoration should always be pursued. Let me end with a few comments. If a spouse becomes physically violent and abusive, or extremely deceptive with prolonged emotional abuse, we see this could be a form of abandoning the marriage. Breaking the covenant vows of a marriage. Although we're not saying that's what the Bible says. The Bible gives us two reasons. We could see, as pastors, we see this could be a way of breaking the covenant also. Repeated and unrepented, heinous sin is very dangerous in a marriage. Let me say this. We believe God would want you saved. If you are in a very dangerous, harmful situation with an abusive spouse, we ask that you get safe and get help. We're not saying, oh, that's your way for divorce. No, 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 don't, don't jump to that. But right now, we've met people that are in a very dangerous situation. As a police chaplain, there's 10 codes. You've heard of 10-4, good buddy, right? Have you heard of that one, right? Okay, yeah. There's, there's 99-10 codes. All right. When they get when they when they sign up, to, you know, instead of punching their time card, they say 10:41. When they're done, they're 10 
two. When they're ready for service, they're 10 eight. There's all these 10 codes. 10 16 is domestic violence. There's a domestic situation. I'm going to a 10 16, and there's chaos going on. Not often, but once in a while, as a police chaplain, I'm involved in some of those things. There can be very dangerous situations. So I'm talking about a 10 16 here. If you're involved in a situation where you're being harmed physically or emotionally, be, this is a sustained thing. Please, I urge you, talk to one of us pastors. Get help. God truly would want you safe. Please talk to one of us. In the 1 Corinthians 7 passage, it makes clear that a Christian spouse was not, would not be the one that initiates the end of the marriage. We acknowledge that many marriages are disappointing, hurtful, harmful, in countless ways. Nonetheless, some of them don't rise to the value of what we would say the covenant has been broken. That's why we encourage you, as I mentioned last week, we'll meet with you. I'll meet with you once or twice and I'll be like, hey, I'm not a counselor. We know many counselors that we would love to connect you with. Please, go seek help. But in extreme situations, we as pastors, and this might be tough for some of you to hear, we would recommend separation. Sometimes separation allows time for restoration. Especially if you're in a harmful, hurtful, it's just, it's just a bad situation. We once in a while will say, maybe you need to separate to get away from that situation so that person can think about the gravity of the situation. You can think about the gravity of the situation and you both can get healing. Some, this, this blows me away. Sometimes people are like, well, I need to help them. I can help them. I'm like, no, no. Only God can help them. You need to get away for a little bit, get healing, and we're going to find someone to help that person get on track again. Sometimes, separation allows time for restoration. Again, we're not saying, well, then you, know, then you can get divorced. We have seen marriages restored in times where couples have been separated to get right thinking, and at the same time, they're seeking counseling. Again, I'm saying this often. Sometimes a marriage is permitted to end. But restoration should always be pursued. And in this, I should have put this on the screen, it's confession, forgiveness, repentance, reconciliation, and restoration are the first steps in dealing with marriage problems. All of us who are married deal with problems. In fact, the main problem is you it's me in fact i did this once i almost want to do this every time i meet with a couple but it it, it makes sense but i just don't do it because then people just write me off and they won't listen to me usually when i sit with a couple i kind of hear them and i'll turn to one person and i go you're very difficult to live with and then they go but also are you i'm difficult we're, you know i kind of like we're all broken people people don't like that when i say that confession Forgiveness, repentance, reconciliation. These and restoration are the first steps in dealing with marital problems. Divorce should only be the last resort. In fact, when we 
when we got married, I remember we went to like a marriage seminar thing, and, the, and the, something I'll never forget, the guy that was, was giving the say said, never use the D word. In any fight or discussion, never say the divorce word. I'm like, okay, never use that word. I never have. Never use that word. It's never an out. God, in His grace, is capable of healing and renewing any marriage. Amen? He is. God, in His grace, is capable in His kindness of changing any person, even the person that you're married with, and even you, because you're difficult. I'm difficult. So let me... Let me read this again. I usually don't do this, but here's a big paragraph that I got from. It's called, if you got Bible questions, we got answers. It's, it's a pretty good site. They're, they're very general. They got some good things. If you ever wonder, you know, just biblical questions. I love how they kind of summarize this, even though it's kind of long here. The most frequent additional grounds for divorce that people inquire are spousal abuse, emotional or physical, child abuse, addiction to pornography, drug and alcohol use, crime, imprisonment. Uh, mismanagement of finances. None of these can be claimed to be explicit grounds for divorce. And that's what we as pastors would agree with. We would be like, no. They're not grounds for divorce, but if these are situations, we need to get you help. That does not necessarily mean that though none of them are grounds for divorce, that God would approve of it. For instance, if, if there's a spouse that's being beaten and you know um, abused emotionally and just in horrible ways... God would not approve of that, so we want to get them help. For example, we can't imagine that if God was desired wife to remain with a husband who's physically abusive and with, with her and her children. In such an instance, the wife should definitely separate herself and the children from the abusive husband. However, in each situation, a time of separation, the goal is repentance and restoration should be the ideal. Not necessarily immediately bringing divorce proceedings. Please understand that by saying that the above is not a biblical grounds for us, we are definitely not um, saying that a man and woman spouse endangering such activities should remain in the situation. If there's any risk to self or children, separation is a good and appropriate step. So that's kind of just a summary of what I've said that we as pastors would allow and push. So where divorce has occurred, an important question comes up. Is remarriage biblically permissible? Some of you have gone through divorce. Some of you have gone through the heartache of that and you just go, oh, okay, am, am I able to get remarried? Again, the Christian community has a variety of answers on this, to this question. In fact, for many years, <laughs> it's interesting that the free church, they would ne not license or ordained a minister who's been divorced for many years that was the, the case until i think it was in the 80s or no it was in the 90s tony might right 90s you know i think it was in the 90s now there's this huge form that if a pastor who has biblical grounds for us, they can be a license through the free church it's amazing how this is this is tough but what about remarriage if the covenant has been broken and there were biblical grounds for divorce then that marriage has ended divorce that is biblically permitted assumes the right for remarriage 
So those who have been remarried, if you're wondering, am I right? Well, look at the biblical understanding of that. So let me do this. I mean, I just to keep going. I want to end here. Let me just say two things. Don't give up on your marriage. Guys, go buy this shirt. Don't have your wife go buy it for you. All right? Don't give up on your marriage. Some of you want to pull out your hair right now. Some of you are like, oh, they're driving me nuts. Look in the mirror. That may help you. Because I drive them nuts too, right? You know, okay. Don't give up on your marriage. I know it's tough. And if you feel that you're getting to, like you just don't know to do, talk to one of us pastors. I'll listen to you. I'm, I'm not the best counselor. I'm the kind of guy who's like, stop it! Quit saying it! You know, that's just me. Tony's great. He, he just, he's, he's great at this stuff. I'm, I'm just, I'm not the best at that. We want to get you help. Some things you can give up on. It's no shave November. Don't, okay, sorry wives, I just made fun of you. You can give up on certain things, but don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your marriage. Number two. If you're in a situation that's very dangerous, you're in our 1016, if you're in a situation that, oh, and you, you've, you've fooled yourself by thinking or tried to convince yourself by thinking, I, I'm going to help them. Don't worry. I know they're struggling. I know they're abusive, but, but I, I can help them. Please talk to one of us. We want to make sure that you're safe and cared for. Number three, marriage is this beautiful picture of the gospel. God is so kind and good to us. Amen? So I encourage you. Whenever you think of marriage, whenever you look at Scripture, when you see broken marriages, healthy marriages, turn to Christ. He is our hope. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before and we thank you for the beauty of marriage. I thank you that the Bible celebrates this God-designed, ordained institution which is so needed for our society today, healthy marriages. So I pray over every marriage in this room. I pray you protect it. I pray you give them tools to maintain their marriage. And Lord, I pray for those who are struggling right now. Maybe they're married to an unbeliever. Maybe their marriage is just hanging on by a thread. Lord, you can save any marriage. So I pray that they would turn to you, they would get help. And I pray for those who might be in a dangerous situation where their spouse is abusive, prolonged sin in their life, destroying and harming relationships. I pray that they would seek help. And Lord, help our church be a light and a witness to this world. And I just pray for, lastly, for those in this room that as they hear this or those who are online, and some of this has brought up wounds of the past, their spouse was unfaithful to them. There was adultery, there was abuse, and they're just, this brings up a lot of pain. Spirit of God, do your work. 
comfort them. As the psalm says, may their soul cling to you during this time. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Stand and join us in our last two songs.
cross I look And to the cross I cling Of its suffering I do Of its work I do sing For on it my Savior Both bruised and crushed Showed that God is love And God is the cross you beckon me you draw me gently to my knees and I am lost for words so lost in love I am sweetly broken holy surrender
break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken alive, oh Jesus our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things, you have done great things, oh God. heaven and first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea and I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God he will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, no crying, no mourning or pain. For the first order of things, the old order of things, had passed away. Someday we will have that wedding banquet. Amen? That's the perfect marriage. Until then, don't give up on your marriage. And we continue to pray for marriages. God bless you. Thanks for worshiping with us. Have a great Thanksgiving with family and friends.